one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay you have your bible turn with us to john chapter 11. john chapter 11. this is the chapter where jesus performed a miracle which makes us to know that he has authority over death jesus though he did not live three score years and ten he lived long enough to meet and defeat every foe that man's ever had or ever will have. Amen. Now may we pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for enlightenment. And we pray to still these hearts of ours and calm our minds and train them in the right direction. And may we think on heavenly things. In Jesus' name, amen. In John chapter 11, now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister, Martha. I got an impression as I read the verse. Uh, they, I didn't know, the town was sort of named after. They were important people, weren't they? Mary and Martha, I think, had captured the confidence of the people of that town. They must have been wonderful ladies. And I think I know why. They had made a place for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on now, let's go together tonight because if you get behind, you won't ever catch up. <laughs> and uh, so it said it was that town of Mary and her sister, uh, Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, Mary was a rather extravagant Christian. I mean, she really, according to the world, overdid it. She's bound to have been over-emotional. I'm sure that she would have been a good prospect for the couch of some psychiatrist. Because somebody said, now that's just not right. I mean, she's taking it too far. But Jesus didn't seem to think so. Amen. I mean, he just said, let her alone. I mean, everything's all right. And uh, therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold... He whom thou lovest is sick. I do not know but what I kind of gathered as I read that verse then that they felt like they had a little corner on Jesus and exercised a little authority over him. And brother, you just don't do that with God. Amen. I mean, you don't run God. God ought to run you. Amen. And Mary and Martha are just about getting in the place where they're going to uh, get a gentle rebuke at least. When Jesus heard that, he said... This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, there have been other Bible conferences when I went over that, and I'm not going to go into it tonight, except it wasn't the sickness, it wasn't the decay or the death that glorified, and we'll find it a little later on. Now, Jesus loved Martha 
and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that he saith to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples said to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there's no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. said he's asleep. Death, in a sense, could be God's anesthetic. I've raised the question many times and sought to answer it. The world has the notion that everybody's got to get sick before they can die. We look on death as the completion of sickness. The Bible doesn't necessarily teach that. The Bible said Moses died according to the word of the Lord. But that's not strange. If you go back to Deuteronomy 10, 10, he said, I stayed in the mount. I mean, it's thundering and lightning and I tell you, smoking, but he stayed in the mount. He loved the word of God. The one thing you can say about Moses, he loved the word of God. And brother, when he got through with his little understudy named Joshua, Joshua loved the word too. Amen. And his first text, he didn't have all the Bible, but he shook it in the face of that bunch of folks over there, I think, that's getting tired of old tough mouth Moses and way he stood and said to any man, if you're on the Lord's side, let him stand by me. And he stood up and said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Wall Street needs to know that. America can never prosper as long as she ignores the word of God. I want to ask you something. How have the schools gotten along since they kicked the Bible out? Boy, you talk about bloodthirsty. Talk about dope days. You talk about infidels. You talk about suicides. You talk about sin. You talk about immorality. The school has gone to nothing since she kicked the Bible. And you know it, don't you? Ah, uh, listen. No nation's going to kick the Bible out. You see, everything bad has happened to America since she has turned her back on Jesus, the living word and the Bible, the written word. You see, Martha did not discern and didn't understand, really, even though she believed in the distant resurrection, the resurrection had just walked into town. You see, Jesus is our resurrection. If you have him in your heart, you're just as good as resurrected right now. My resurrection's already over. I mean, when I trusted Jesus, I got my resurrection. Amen? Because I trusted the resurrector. All right. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Amen. She saith unto him, Yes, Lord, or yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ and the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way. Call Mary, your sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her. When they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave. 
to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down, notice. Now Martha didn't fall down. Seemed like there was just a little more humility about Mary. I mean, she just, you know, I'll tell you what, if you'll get after the word of God, you'll fall down when you meet him. You'll get down. I tell you things killing our church today, and that's pride. That old self-righteous attitude. I tell you, uh, it, it's just not right for us to be hard and cold and calloused. And so he said, when Mary was come where Jesus saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and uh, the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Did you know that the Jews, unbelievers, most of them I imagine, many of them were, even though they admired Mary and Martha, and evidently they'd gained their respect. Did you know that, that they judged Jesus' love by his tears? They said evidently he loved them and loved Lazarus because he wept about it. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee? that if thou wouldst believe, thou should see the glory of God. Now we're back to the glory, aren't we? We started out with the glory, didn't we? This sickness is for the glory of God. Now thus far, we haven't got much glory, have we? We just got a couple of gentle rebukes from Mary and Martha and said, if you'd been on time and come when we called you, everything's been all right. Mm-hmm. Now then, we fix and see the glory. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. You know, Jesus had such faith, all of his praying was in the past. I mean, he prayed presently, just like all of his prayers had already been answered. Why? Because he prayed according to the word of God, and the word of God is eternal. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I knew that thou hearest me always. How would you like to pray like that? Amen. How would you like to be able to say, Father, I want to thank you. You've already heard me, and uh, that you always hear me. Always hear me. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen in the cemetery that day. He knew when he went over to Bethany that there's going to be a resurrection. Now, remember this. He didn't say, Father, if it be thy will. Uh-uh. That's where we're missing the boat as God's children. We're not in the will of God enough to pray according to the will of God. The Bible said, Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit maketh an intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. For he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit will never let you pray outside the will of God if you let him have his way.
And that's where we miss the boat. We walk so far out of the will of God till we have to pray, if it be thy. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Uh, sometimes when I preach like this, somebody said, well, you don't expect us to be perfect. I certainly do, someday at least. Well, there's one thing the Lord's convinced me of. He's a perfectionist. Amen. And any time you follow him, you might as well get ready because he's going to make you perfect one of these days. And I wouldn't mind coming a little closer now. And you can sit around and say, well, all of us are imperfect, you know. We're just all carnal and we're just all weak, you know. And we're just in the flesh. That's a bunch of stuff. I'll tell you, it's time for God's people to say, I want to be like Jesus. Amen. I want to live and make my life count for him. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Have you ever wondered why he cried with a loud voice? He could have whispered, he still got up. I think he wanted the people to know who did it. He wasn't ashamed to say out loud what is fixing to happen. Lazarus! They heard him all over that graveyard. I believe just like the preacher man too. Somebody said, well, why did he call his name? The preacher said, if he hadn't ever bought in the graveyard, he got up. <laughs> why, well, it didn't strain my faith at all. And he that was dead came forth bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and uh, let him go. Had to get the grave clothes off. Had his face. That means his mouth. He couldn't testify. I believe when a man gets saved, you ought to get the grave clothes off. Amen. Ought to get that napkin off his mouth. Too. Amen. Ought to be able to stand up and testify. Uh, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him, but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done, then gathered the chief priests. Uh-huh. Ministerial Alliance meeting. Yeah. <laughs> this is it right here, boys. Don't you ever think it's going to be a miracle without it bring about a Ministerial Alliance meeting. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. clergy is going to get together. <laughs> I wish this wasn't so, but I know it is. That's right. Amen. I know. I used to get in on some of those meetings. <laughs> then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? Now, that's a good question. <laughs> well, that, that'd be a great discussion, wouldn't it? Yeah. Clergy get together and said, Brother, now let's try to analyze what we're doing. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. <laughs> All right. What do we? This man doeth many miracles. Jesus was a walking rebuke to the deadness of the religion. And religion hated every step he took, every miracle he performed. Amen. And I'll tell you the sweetest music that bunch of crooked-nosed hypocrites and brass hats among religion ever heard was the tune of the hammers as they drove nails through the hands of our blessed Savior, God's eternal darling. Read it in the next chapter, and I'm closing now. They said, we've got to get him back in the grave. And there they were having another meeting. Second Ministerial Alliance meeting. They said, we've got to kill him again. Get him back in the grave. That's the world for you. That's religion for you, trying to kill out the miracles. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff.